Hello and welcome to the FPAC file, the joint bi-weekly podcast of Ready Free Freedom Liberty and the Wilson Center focusing on Pakistan in Afghanistan. I'm Mohammed Tahir, Ready Free Freedom Liberty's media manager and host of the FPAC file podcast here in Washington, D.C. The NATO leaders just concluded their meeting in Brussels. There was a lot on the agenda in Afghanistan was one of them. The discussion about Afghanistan has apparently come down to one specific point, which is how to maintain the security of the Kabul airport in the future. Once the NATO troops are out, a functioning airport is a must for the international community to maintain its diplomatic presence in the country. Turkey says, subject to certain conditions, it is ready to undertake this responsibility. And the international community is not happy about those conditions. And the Taliban is not happy about any Turkish rule after the withdrawal of the foreign troops. So what are we really talking about here? What's at stake and what's the importance of securing the Kabul airport? Also, what do we know about Turkey's offer and why there are questions about it? To discuss all these, I'm joined by Turek Farhadi, a former Afghan government advisor, Tanya Gutsozian, journalist in Istanbul with Turkey's TRT World, Michael Kugelman, Asia Program Deputy Director and Senior Associate for South Asia at the Wilson Center. Thank you, colleagues, for joining us today uh, in this important conversation. So the discussion about securing the Kabul airport Suddenly, the whole Afghan discussion at the NATO summit to be around this topic. Torek, what's really going on here? Well, whenever I hear Turkey, I don't really think about Turkey. I think about Erdogan. Erdogan is a controversial personality. Torek, can we talk about this Erdogan or the Turkey aspect a little bit later? I'm kind of curious about at this moment, why suddenly are we talking about the security of the Kabul airport? The embassies. Basically, in order to keep the Western embassies open in Kabul, there has to be a way where uh, civilian airlines can land there. So diplomats can come and go. And those civilian airlines would be um, Emirates, Fly Dubai, Turkish Airlines, Mm. maybe a couple of other regional airlines. And uh, this would allow for the diplomats to... uh, have the assurance that they can land in Kabul and and leave Kabul uh, quickly as they like. And uh, next to the airport, there's a hospital which is run by the military as well. This is also necessary for the um, embassies to function, uh, to have a hospital which is uh, international standard and acceptable to them. And uh, presumably the link between the airport, if it was secured internationally, and the embassies near the embassy of um, the United States or around the United States would be done by helicopters. Uh, So this would be the only way Western embassies would accept to stay in Kabul. The United States and Western countries, why don't they trust the Afghan National Army, an army they have spent $4 billion a year on, and uh, which is... uh, 300,000 strong, and at least in Kabul, uh, Mr. Ghani says that Kabul is secure. It's very curious that nobody wants to trust the Afghan security forces in order to keep a few embassies. The answer is easy. The answer is a Benghazi scenario, where with very little, control could be lost and uh, other groups could um, throw bombs at the embassies, uh, put fire to the embassies. And uh, so any politician, Western politician, has this specter of Benghazi and cannot take the responsibility of leaving embassies in Afghanistan and something like this to happen, even if it might not happen, but the risk exists. That's very interesting point, Torek. I'm kind of wondering, is there any kind of a specific threat that is triggering this discussion? Is there anything that we don't know at this moment? 
Well, as the U.S. is leaving, the promises made for the future, even to the Afghan government, are getting thinner and thinner. If you, if you listen to what uh, NATO Secretary General was saying uh, four months ago, it sounded like uh, on the way to our bedroom, NATO will be with us to secure us, uh, to make sure we will sleep well. And then the, once the signal of withdrawal came in, Mr. Stoltenberg has had to really learn to dance around the words and... Uh, now he is saying that the Afghan security forces have to stand up on their own and secure their country. So it, it really, it has changed. The same thing has changed with NGOs that are operating in Kabul, who had promised women and uh, civil society a lot of, uh, you know, support, and now they are not even willing to fund their budgets. So this is what's happening here: is that really this is a departure of the Western forces from Afghanistan, and after that, nobody knows what will happen. Okay, there are two points I would like to ask. Tanya, the first thing is that you often talk to the Afghan officials, one of the recent being uh, interviewed with the uh, Abdullah and earlier with the President Ghani. Um, what Torek is saying here is that Afghan forces, at least this is the, the conclusion I draw from his comment, that Afghan troops cannot be trusted to uh, protect the airport. Um, you often go to uh, Afghanistan and you pass through the airport. How is the situation there at the moment? I mean, it, it's been a while since I was there, but when I was there, it felt like this is one of the most guarded places in Afghanistan. So how they are doing this now and why they cannot be trusted going forward? Well, I think I'll go back to the question you first asked, which was, why are the Turks making this offer? Can we, and Tanya, Tanya, can we, yes. can we talk can about this a little bit later? Yeah, I'm certainly going to come back to the to the Turkish offer. But at this moment, I just kind of doing a reality check on the ground. Uh, why are we even having this conversation? So about the capacity of the Afghan troops and the security at the airport as we speak. Well, as you said, I've been going in and out of uh, Afghanistan, of Kabul for years, and um, I can tell you that it's surprising that there hasn't been a, a major incident. I would disagree and say that uh, they currently have a very weak security in the complex. In terms of the capacity of the Afghan National Forces, I'll leave that to the others to answer. But what I what I would say is there's definitely room for improving security operations at the Kabul airport. I mean, I, it's kind of difficult not to get into the Turkish offer here, but with the Turkish contingent responsible for operations, they'd be able to bring in more advanced detection and scanning equipment, more organized operations, and most importantly, well-trained troops. Are, loyal aren't those things it's, already in place there, Tanim? I mean... Just imagine, picture the situation. When you leave, let's say, Kabul city, the security check starts five kilometers to the airport. And then comes the next checkpoint. Then comes the next checkpoint. Then comes the next checkpoint. Until the, the actual airport, you are scrutinized by so many checkpoints there. I mean, I'm just wondering what else anyone can do to, to secure this airport more than this. Um, there's certainly a lot that can be done with more advanced technology, um, biometric devices, counter mortar, counter rocket radars to deter and detect incoming rounds. If, if the Turks were brought in, they could bring in balloons with long range cameras, other detection devices from above the airport. I mean, there's plenty that could still be done. And with the Taliban essentially claiming that they're taking over more land in across Afghanistan and they're just waiting for troops to withdraw in order to simply march into Kabul. I think there's definitely a, a legitimate concern here. And I would go back to what Torek said about the embassies to maintain foreign diplomatic presence. 
in Kabul, I don't think that would be possible if there was no assurance mm. that the airport was secured. Mm. So, Michael, uh, the, the threat to the airport. So what kind of threat do you envision to the airport? And the second, who will pose this threat? Well, I think that, you know, this is not just a matter of concern about the ability of foreign diplomats and aid workers to enter and exit the country on a routine basis. But I think that one of the major concerns from harbored by the NATO countries is that the security situation will get even worse than it already is after the foreign troop withdrawal has been completed because of Taliban offensives and so on, that it could prompt many foreign diplomats to leave very suddenly. They would need to evacuate the country. And that's where you really need to depend on the security of the airport to ensure that these folks can get out. And I think that there's a concern that that could be in doubt if the security situation is is really getting out of control. And just that one risk or that one sort of nightmare scenario of needing to get your nationals out of Afghanistan in a hurry and knowing that there's a possibility that they may not be able to do that because the airport wouldn't be safe or secured. I think that in of itself could give pause to many countries from being willing to house personnel in the embassies just because of the concern of that nightmare scenario breaking out. But indeed, even now, I think the airport is is vulnerable, even with a Turkish security presence there now. But clearly, if Turkish security presence or broader NATO security presence at the airport were to be reduced to zero, then clearly the threat perception would be would be heightened. And indeed, as I think Torak mentioned before, it may not be an issue of capacity as to whether the Afghan security forces have the capacity to secure the airport. But I think it's more an issue of, of just of trust issues above all else, just concerns that you know there could be issues with corruption or other things that could get in the way of their ability to do that. But you know, at the end of the day, it's it's really rather poignant in a, in a tragic sense that mm-hmm. you know for many years NATO forces were fighting the Taliban, mm-hmm. and now everything has come down to providing security for diplomats, aid workers that may have to get out in a hurry if mm-hmm. things get out of control, mm-hmm. and that has become one of the chief NATO security objectives or priorities mm-hmm. at this time. It's it's really a shame how things have have evolved, or should I say, devolved yeah, over there, the years. There are two points, Michael, from uh, what you are talking about. One is, like, yes, in Afghanistan, you can expect bomb to blow off anywhere. Um, Like, you know, even around the vicinity of the presidential palace is not also safe. But in recent months or years, I have not seen any major security situation involving the Kabul airport. Why we should expect anything to happen going forward? Well, I think, as Tanya said before, that, uh, you know, there's a degree of luck involved, that it could have been, something could have happened. In some ways, it's surprising that something has not happened. And it's sort of an issue of it just being a, uh, a matter of time. But again, if you have that modest international security presence at the airport that's whittled down to nothing, then I think that could that could raise the level of, um, of vulnerability, mm-hmm. for sure. And certainly, indeed, I mean, the airport is one of the more secured areas of Kabul, for sure. I mean, that's, that's, that's very clear, and that's something else, too. But again, I think on some levels, it's sort of an issue of, well, it could have been a lot worse. We've dodged a lot of bullets, uh, so to say. So the threat, uh, the source of threat, um, Torek, feel free to jump in here. Who we envision as a source of this possible threat going forward? Well, uh, traditionally, Kabul is, is in a bowl, and around the, the airport, there are mountains. And um, if the Taliban approach the city, they could be at a distance where they could fire rockets at the airport. It has happened in the past during the 90s 
it has happened a lot. And but but Taliban, had... <laughs> Taliban is already there, Torak. If they are not attacking now at the airport, then why should we expect them to attack in the future? Taliban are uh, close to Kabul. That's right. And if they, yeah, that's one possibility. The other possibility is all kinds of other groups that are unhappy with the turn of events and uh, have scores to settle even with NATO countries, um, which were the, not directly their protectors, but the protector of the situation where they have become important. And now, as NATO is leaving, the whole economic situation also is unraveling. And uh, there are a lot of people who have different feelings uh, towards uh, U.S. and NATO, even inside the government. Questions are arising on how NATO left uh, quickly and uh, they're being sort of let down and uh, sentiments could could turn quickly and um, certainly if there is no security no airliner of any serious brand would land there so what's the point of of an airport if it's not an international airport and there is also an issue of the tower control nato had controlled the tower control for all these Mm -hmm. years as a result they haven't really invested in in uh, training afghan personnel to run the tower control so right now they're grappling with the fact that they have to find international contractors to run the tower control. But if, again, uh, the Turkish offer includes the tower control as well. It's very interesting what you are saying, and Torek, about the source of potential threat to the airport being groups like the Taliban. I mean, Taliban is joining the Afghan government going forward. At least this is the scenario. I mean, it's just hard to comprehend why the airport needs protection from the group which is supposed to be part of the government. Uh, There is a clear answer to that. Uh, Mm. I meant uh, control tower earlier. Um, The Taliban scenario right now is to cut off the Afghan government from the breast that was feeding them militarily, Mm. economic aid, etc. That was US and NATO and international community. They want to separate the Afghan government from their source of support. And uh, initially, the Taliban are more interested in doing this to the government in Kabul. And later, they would discuss again reopening of Kabul to the international community under their own terms. Uh, Also, as we speak, the prospects of peace between the Afghan government and Taliban and running the government, the country jointly, is now close to zero. In other words, peace talks have failed. Very, very interesting. So the, the so the, the the Turkey offer. Turkey says it's ready to protect the airport, and the world leader seems to have some reservations about it. So, so what's in the offer, and what's in it for Turkey? Um, let's continue the APAC file podcast, talking about these and many other questions very shortly. First, let me recap the debate that today on the PAC File podcast. I'm joined by Turek Farhadi, a former Afghan government advisor, Tanya Gutsuzian, journalist based in Istanbul with Turkey's ETRT World, Michael Kugelman, Asia Program Deputy Director and Senior Associate for South Asia at the Wilson Center. I'm Mohammed Tahir, Ready for the Liberties Media Manager and host of the PAC File podcast here in Washington, D.C. And we are discussing the security of the Kabul airport in the context of NATO troops withdrawal from Afghanistan. So, Turkish offer earlier, Tanya, you wanted to say something about this. So, why Turkey think it well, can handle this situation? Uh, I would also like to comment on the previous question, where you said, why should the airport be protected from the Taliban mm. when presumably the Taliban would be brought in mm. in a power sharing agreement or some peace agreement? 
And I think it has to be it has to be made clear that uh, there are concerns that the Taliban is not a cohesive group, that uh, that the negotiators in Doha don't necessarily see eye to eye with the Taliban fighting mm. on the ground. And there are a dozen or so uh, armed groups operating across the country. So there are legitimate threats. So that's something I did I did want to say. In yeah. fact, last week I interviewed Fauzia Kufi, who's one of the negotiators in Doha representing the Afghan uh, state. And that was one of the concerns that she expressed emphatically, that she was concerned that the negotiators in Doha didn't necessarily speak for the fighters in Afghanistan. Now, uh, if you want me to get into the, sure, uh, the yeah. Turkey's off. First of all, yeah. like, as you say, like uh, uh, Taliban remains to be a possible source of threat, not only to the airport, but many other situations in Afghanistan. And at the same time, when this Turkish offer was made, Taliban said, don't do it. I mean, they, they already warning Turkey against this idea. In this kind of scenario, why Turkey thinks that it can handle the situation? Well, I have to say, I was surprised when the Taliban issued a statement saying that they thought that uh, Turkey should withdraw with the rest of NATO troops, yeah. uh, because a few years ago, sources close to the Doha talks were saying that uh, that an enhanced role for Turkey was something that, that the Taliban would consider because they are a predominantly Muslim nation mm. and uh, their presence would be far less contentious. But they've made a statement saying that uh, they don't agree with that. Now, I can see certainly the, the criticism here that uh, obviously uh, Turkey would uh, require funds for this and this, isn't, this would be an expensive proposition and it might not necessarily uh, stop a surprise Taliban or um, Al-Qaeda attacks. Uh, car bombs are pretty effective at breaching hard targets. And who's going to foot the bill? Certainly not the Afghans. NATO has no real money or budget and they rely on national contributions. So one would expect the U.S. to foot the bill along with a few other NATO countries. Also, far from an act of altruism, the offer will uh, likely also benefit Turkey's position within NATO, as well as um, Ankara's grand plans for Central Asia. But the offer is not unconditional, and there are uh, as yet unresolved political, logistical, and financial conditions that Defense Minister General Hulusi Akar mentioned. But they haven't really gone into what those conditions are. Uh, there seems to be an agreement between the U.S. and uh, Turkey that they're going to move forward with this. So, um, yeah. Well, so, uh, of course, we don't know all the details about, about yeah. what's in the offer. I mean, what's your educated guess? What might be on that on the paper? In terms of what they're going to offer or what the conditions would be? Conditions. My, I guess that's the that's a question that many members of the international community is raising about the, this Turkish offer. So, what kind of conditions are uh, are there in the in the offer? Well, I guess the uh, uh, I guess the elephant in the room is funds. I think we'd we'd have to consider that obviously this is going to be an expensive operation, mm. and uh, Turkey uh, will need those funds. They've also asked for allies and uh, support in doing this. So they recently announced that Pakistan. And Hungary could and should have a role that was in interesting. helping Turkey yeah. to secure this, this airport. Uh, so these are these are details that are still being ironed out. But the role for Pakistan at the airport isn't that kind of no starter for Afghan government. Well, the Afghan government hasn't really commented on this whole uh, proposal, uh, has it? Well, Torak, what do you say? It hasn't. Uh, the Afghan government is now a non-entity. It doesn't comment on anything. It keeps saying we respect NATO allies' strategic decisions. In fact, if you look at very small parentheses, what happened between uh, Joe Biden and uh, uh, Putin yesterday, they talked about Afghanistan and they have made a certain number of agreements in the framework of larger agreements about Syria, Libya and uh, Iran. But the Afghan government is not party to the decisions that are being made about Afghanistan. 
Afghanistan in the future. Uh, the foreign ministry of Afghanistan is, uh, has no initiative of, uh, on any of these things. It just goes to conferences that are organized by other people. So, and also there is um, some division between the foreign minister and uh, the national security advisor. The foreign minister has to sort of catch up to all the gaffes that the national security advisor is making. The Afghan government is a very weak situation, even if it doesn't agree that the Pakistanis should come and secure Kabul airport. For now, they are silent about this possibility. I don't think this will work out, actually. Michael, I wondered your thoughts about two things here. Like one is earlier, uh, I was also watching in preparation for this discussion. I was watching a Turkish commentator talking about Turkey's offer. His argument was like Turkey doesn't know where it is getting into. I mean, now we are talking about international communities talking about securing Kabul airport and Afghan government is not party to that, is not responding to discussion the way we understand it. And even at the time when Taliban is saying what their opinion is about this. I mean, do you think Turkey really knows where it is getting into? Yeah, well, that's a fair point. But keep in mind that this offer is not coming out of nowhere. I mean, Turkey has been a fairly significant security provider in Afghanistan over the years, like like all NATO countries. I mean, it has been providing security at the airport to this point. But beyond that, you know, it's had a modest contingent, a forced contingent in Afghanistan for quite some time. It also has been very active in uh, training uh, Afghan soldiers. That's been one of its signature achievements. I mean, its government officials claim that, they, that Turkey has trained thousands of Afghan soldiers. I'm not sure if that specific figure is accurate, but, but there's a lot going on there. So this is not exactly like a new thing. It would be a continuation of what it's already been doing. Now, you know, there's been a lot of speculation as to why Turkey would indeed want to take on the risk that you that you've suggested. Why would one be want to do this, especially given that the Taliban would would not want this to be happening and the Taliban would view Turkish soldiers as it would any other NATO security mm-hmm. presence in Afghanistan post withdrawal as something that simply cannot happen and could be a legitimate target in the eyes of the Taliban. Yeah, there's been a lot of speculation about this offer actually is tied to the U.S.-Turkey relationship, that Turkey is trying mm. to figure out ways to give the U.S. an incentive to ease the sanctions that it had slapped on Turkey after Turkey um, made that S-400 deal with Russia, where it acquired that Russian defense equipment. And it may also want to do this, to make this offer, in order to convince the U.S. to invite the Turks to re-enter this F-35 fighter jet program that Turkey had been a part of, but had been kicked out uh, after it did that deal with the Russians on the S-400. Now, this is a lot of this is speculation. U.S. officials have denied that there's any link between these things. But I think given the risks that Turkey would be facing if it were to maintain its forces at the airport, I do think we have to look at this as something that, that Turkey would be pursuing out of its own self-interest. That this is not simply a, a charitable, you know, a genuinely charitable offer to you know provide security. That there has to be some more to it than than that. And I think there is there is something to uh, to say for that. Mm. Earlier, Turk, you were talking about the, the reasons, possible reasons why Turkey might be interested in, in taking such a responsibility in Afghanistan. So go ahead here. I, I just want to take your thoughts and then uh, move on to some other points that I have. Well, there was sympathy for Turkey, let's say, four or five months ago. But the Istanbul meeting did ha- not happen. Yeah. Um, Taliban are wishy-washy about the role of Turkey. For instance... Erdogan received General Dostum, who is a regional leader, some know him as a warlord. President Ghani didn't authorize uh, General Dostum uh, two years ago to land in uh, Afghanistan, two, three years ago, so he's a controversial character. But President Erdogan received him for a 
personal meeting, tete a tete, with the uh, Afghan ambassador in Ankara not being there. And uh, around the same time, the Afghan foreign minister was in Turkey for COVID treatment or something. So Mr. Erdogan is not uh, neutral to the dossier in Afghanistan. He has lost credibility in the eyes of many Afghans, including myself. And I'm sort of neutral on all that. I would like Turkey to play a a positive role, but he has lost the opportunity to play neutral here. And um, I'm sure inside the presidential palace, President Ghani also has the same feelings about Mr. Erdogan. Mr. Erdogan has ignored President Ghani for many years. He has not received him in Istanbul, but he has received Dr. Abdullah, Mr. Rabani, uh, Mr. Dostum, all the rivals. So, look, after 2001, we agreed that U.S., come to Afghanistan because there was a crisis situation, there was September 11, etc. But now if we are redesigning Afghanistan's relations with the rest of the world, we don't want to be pupils of Turkey. No, thank you. But we all agree, uh, Turk, that the airport needs to be protected. If not Turkey, then who is there any other actor who can do this job? Well, there is also a scenario that nobody will do this job and the embassies will close down. I mean, um, some why, American generals why, have said that why to take no that, security. For- why to take that risk, Turk, uh, if Turkey is ready to, to protect it? I mean, yeah, you question about the neutrality of Turkey, but is there any other country who is more neutral about Afghanistan than Turkey in its position with its capacity and also ready to <laughs> Not take really. that? Not really. Not really, but um, in the worst case scenario, embassies will close down, but it doesn't mean international aid will stop to Afghanistan. Uh, uh, The EU and the United States will help uh, Afghanistan through the World Bank, through the United Nations organizations. United Nations organizations have already plans to land uh, UNHAS planes in other airports in Afghanistan um, with pockets of agreements with Taliban, and uh, it will be sort of a no man's land, but life will continue. But the life yeah, this is it might happen because if we think that US forces will be out by 4th of July as president Biden has said 4th of July is now 3 weeks from here mm. or something like mm-hmm. that and I don't see this complex operation of Turkey securing the airport happening in 3 weeks mm. although the German mm. defense minister today is in Turkey to discuss this among other things with Turkish authorities but it, this is too complex and what uh, Mr Erdogan has offered is also complex bringing the Hungarians and the Pakistanis and getting the agreement of the Taliban the Taliban haven't agreed to anything uh, so far about anything why would they agree about something they already issued a declaration about in the next 3 weeks wow it uh, won't happen so what's the kind of a likely future scenario going forward from here um Tanya Well, I'd like to pick up on what uh, Torek said. I mean, there are parties in Afghanistan, of course, that may view a more pronounced Turkish role in in the country with suspicion. But again, the idea is certainly not as contentious as a continued role by other countries with blame laid on some of them for significant civilian casualties and others whose troops, notably Australia, have been embroiled in war crimes scandals. Look, uh, as as you said, we all agree that securing Kabul's airport could help persuade some countries to maintain a diplomatic presence in Afghanistan and prevent further uh, countries from shutting their embassies. What puts Turkey in a unique position uh, is precisely its positive relations with Pakistan. It's 
the kind of leadership role that it plays among Turkic nations in the region. Two of those nations uh, have borders with Afghanistan. So of all the countries that one would consider, Turkey is uniquely placed to play uh, this role. Yeah, I don't know about future role for Pakistan, how it is going to play out. Maybe Michael uh, is in a better position to explain that uh, than me. Of course, you cannot do anything without Pakistan, and also you cannot do anything with Pakistan in Afghanistan. This is such a kind of a toxic situation here. So Turkey is saying, Michael, um, Turkey is saying that it can work with Pakistan to do the job what it, it offers to do at the Kabul airport. So how do you see these two countries working in Afghanistan, and what kind of response it might generate from the Afghan government or those who don't feel good about Pakistan's previous rule in the country? So, you know, it's important to keep in mind that there is a long-standing uh, trilateral between Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Turkey. It's been around for more than a decade, I believe, and it met most recently back in April, in which the three uh, countries issued a statement, you know, calling for peace and stability in Afghanistan. So, on the one hand, Turkey has a fast-growing relationship with Pakistan. I think that's important. The two leaders, uh, Erdogan and Imran Khan, seem to really like each other. I think they sort of are drawn together by a shared interest in countering Islamophobia and appealing to pan-Islamic sentiment and so forth and so on. And the relationship has really grown. And I think Afghanistan would be a logical place that they would want to, to look to. But, you know, certainly there are a lot of limitations. I mean, I think that the idea of cooperation on the peace process front is a logical space. Turkey does have a history of playing the role of a convener. It's hosted a number of informal meetings with the Taliban going back many, many years, back to the time of Karzai, who had looked to the Turks as a very useful mediator for potential talks, for potential peace talks. You know, Turkey also helped found the Heart of Asia Istanbul process, which is one of the major regional groupings that focuses on Afghanistan. So Turkey's it's it's played a significant game in, in Afghanistan in a positive way on some levels for quite some time. But there are limitations when it comes to what exactly Pakistan can do. Clearly, there is no way that Afghanistan's government, and not just the government, but many political actors in Afghanistan, would never accept any type of arrangement under which Pakistan would have a security presence in the country in Afghanistan. So, you know, this vaguely articulated idea by Art Erdogan of Pakistan and Turkey and oddly Hungary working together to secure the airport or whatever they, they would do, I see that as a, as a non-starter. So I think see that the potential lies in the non-security realm, particularly in terms of trying to play a role as mediators in the peace process, that's where I think Pakistan and Turkey could be could be useful. But anything security related to me, uh, because of the Pakistan factor, it's just a it's just a non-starter. And there have been a lot of efforts from the, the Americans and the British uh, and the Turks, for that matter, to try to get Pakistan and Afghanistan to work more closely together and, and bury the hatchets and move forward. There's been some limited progress in that regard. But as we've seen just for events in recent days, some of the nasty things that have been said by some Afghan leaders about the Pakistanis, it's, it's not going that far. Mm-hmm. Okay. We also need to wrap up the discussion with very last point here. So what what do you see? What is coming out of this conversation now about the securing Kabul airport? What are the kind of acceptable scenarios going forward or well, possible ideally, scenarios? Ideally, if, if, if everyone accepted Turkey's role, then yes, it'll cost about $200 million a year to do that. And the U.S. would find some budget within the $3.3 billion that it has for Afghanistan for now and uh, next year and even the NATO Secretary General said that at least for this year there would be provisional, he used the word provisional funding for securing Kabul airport. Okay. Uh, If it happened it's good. The embassies could stay. But I'm also thinking about a scenario where the embassies would close down and Mm -hmm. 
one American general has mentioned that, is that there is a scenario where we couldn't have an embassy in, in Afghanistan. And uh, yes, it could happen. But in my mind, knowing the technicalities of international aid, uh, all the countries who are interested in helping Afghanistan and, and in the future aid will be mostly humanitarian, can still help through the Afghanistan Reconstruction Trust Fund at the World Bank and still uh, fund the you know, UN organizations, uh, uh, FAO and uh, WHO and all these organizations that are active in Afghanistan and UNOCHA and and UNHCR. But there are plans in Brussels and in Washington, D.C., I'm sure, about a situation where there wouldn't be any embassies in Afghanistan and, and Afghanistan would be sort of an ungoverned area with a very weak government that doesn't have a voice on anything. And in this case in particular, it hasn't even tried to use its voice. Mm. How plausible is this, the last scenario that you are painting? I was asked in a, in a TV show in Kabul, the same question is that we are sort of becoming discouraged to see that we are being let down by the entire international community. Uh, and yes, but I think um, life will still go on. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, we need to uh, wrap up the discussion. So uh, let me give a um, microphone to you, Tanya. So as a journalist, as a Afghanistan watcher, Afghanistan observer, so where your eyes will be going forward on this discussion and about the and what comes out of Turkish offer or what comes out if this offer is not accepted? What are the other scenarios that you will be looking at? Well, if you ask me as a journalist, I would say that I think that the we shouldn't look at the Turkish offer to secure and operate the airport in isolation, but as a larger effort by Ankara to extend its influence throughout the region. We're looking at uh, a more um, prominent role for Turkey in Central Asia, and uh, for Turkey, a positive reception within NATO. Uh, these, you know, this was clearly one of the considerations. There's prestige involved for Turkey in in conducting this operation with success. This would be seen. This would put Turkey on a, on a certain um, level uh, if it were able to successfully secure uh, the airport after the withdrawal of uh, U.S. troops. This will be a tough mission for Turkish forces and their partners, whoever they may be. And regardless of its larger uh, purposes, uh, I, I believe this is one of the few examples of uh, positive news emer- emerging of late uh, from Afghanistan. In the absence of credible security measures, there really is a need for a strong military presence at the airport, if uh, for no other reason than to ensure, as we've been discussing, diplomatic contingents remain within Kabul. Otherwise, uh, we're what? We're going to turn back the clock and go back to uh, mm. the, the era of Taliban rule. How many Western embassies were in Afghanistan at the time of mm. uh, Taliban rule? Very interesting, Michael. Last point from you. So we are kind of racing against the clock here, like uh, what, like September 11 is the deadline when all the international troops will be out of Afghanistan. So if anything has to happen, it has to happen before deadline. So where your eyes will be going forward uh, as to what comes next up? Well, two points. One, I'll be seeing, I'll be looking to see if there's any further Taliban messaging about mm-hmm. this Turkish offer. Indeed, it has rejected it, and what, it's not surprising that it's rejected it. But uh, one could argue that the Taliban, if you believe this notion that it uh, wants to seek legitimacy and recognition from the world, that it would go back on that uh, rejection and be willing to let this go in the sense that you know it's the only Muslim-majority uh, NATO country providing what is in many ways a civilian service to provide security at the airport to allow civilians to travel safely, not not military personnel per se, or not only military personnel. So it'll be interesting to see if the Taliban's messaging evolves. I don't think it will because it's taken such a categorical stand on this 
issue of all foreign troops needing to leave because that's what its agreement with the U.S. says. Second point is, um, you know, the the airport story got all the attention over the last week, but there was another interesting NATO-related development involving Turkey and security, and that is that um, NATO is exploring the possibility in Qatar of getting access to a base there to use to train Afghan soldiers. In other words, taking the training mission outside of Afghanistan. And the three countries that are interested in participating in this three effort countries to train being? Afghan soldiers are the U.S., the U.K., and Turkey, which is very interesting. Of course, yeah. this is the country where the many Taliban leaders are now, and it's where the, the talks have taken place. The Taliban's response to that offer was much softer uh, and more measured than it was to its rejection of the, of the Turkish security in the airport thing. It basically said, well, we probably wouldn't trust Afghan troops that are trained abroad. But it wasn't saying that that's not something that it would want to see happen. So I think that's where Turkey could be useful, is continuing the training mission of Afghan soldiers that it's been involved in for quite some years. Mm, mm, very, very, very interesting. Yeah, certainly there are a lot to, to keep our eyes on. Is there anything we missed from this discussion? I'm Otherwise, I'm going to wrap up the discussion. Tanya is on her way to the airport. Torek, last points from you? Just that uh, yeah. we are going towards the unknown, really. Mm. And um, time is short. Uh, everyone, all the diplomats are saying, and uh, the Taliban are playing the fact that time is short, and they want all of this to unravel. In the future, if they govern Afghanistan, they will renegotiate a diplomatic re- recognition with other nations. But right now, what they want is everything to fall apart, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And um, Kabul does not have its voice in all these conversations. Mm. You know, I also wonder, I mean, the, the statement by the Taliban, of course, I'm, 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 I'm going to end the conversation here. But just the last point, when the Taliban posed this idea of Turkey uh, kind of playing a role, ongoing role at the Kabul airport going forward, what kind of threat Taliban? think it will pose to them. I don't know what they're thinking behind this. But anyway, we need to uh, really end the conversation here. Thank you very much, Torek Furhadi, former Afghan government advisor, Tanya Gutsozian, journalist in Istanbul with Turkey's TRT World, and Michael Kuhlman, Asia Program Deputy Director and Senior Associate for South Asia at the Wilson Center. Thank you very much, colleagues, for your time and task today. And this is from me, Mohamed Tahir, Ready for your Pre Liberties media manager and host of the APAC File, a joint podcast series of Ready for your Pre Liberty and the Wilson Center. Please join us in two weeks. Until then, bye-bye.